Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to the Bridgewater Conklin campus. My name's Chris. I am a member here. My wife and I and our children attend here. And actually, I was scheduled today be, to be with uh, Bridgewater Kids, but I had to tell Don I'm going to be with the big kids today. So it's good to be here and share uh, the last part of our series, uh, uh, the final countdown. And I'm thankful you join us. When I was in college, way back, I had to take a, a class. I had to take a number of classes that were outside of my core curriculum, but touched certain areas that the college wanted me to give some attention to. So I had to take a history class. And I had some friends that were history majors, and they, they're like, you got to take this professor in this class. So I took this class called 20th Century America and War. Sounds real encouraging, doesn't it? So we went through from World War I, World War II, uh, the Korean conflict, the Vietnam conflict. Uh, then we got into the Cold War. We were in the 80s. And we were talking about the fact that uh, we lived with the constant threat of nuclear war. The Cold War was going on, and Russia and the United States were stacking up arms against one another. And uh, throughout the course of this uh, talk, we were talking about the international relationships and the development of nuclear weapons and how we should reduce those and how we should, uh, uh, you know, not pull the trigger. And in the course of that uh, discussion, I had to write a paper on it, and I began to realize, wow, we live under this constant threat of utter destruction that generations before had never experienced, but now it was part of our reality. And the, the potential of it was just seconds away at, at times. And I remember I began to, to get a little bit bummed out, and my friends actually were like, what is up with you? And I started talking about apocalyptic things, and you know, there's a whole genre in our in our movies and our literature about the apocalyptic things, right? The end of the world, how it's going to happen. And I, I, it's interesting, I took a look at a list of uh, top 30 apocalyptic movies. And some of those on there were Dr. Strangelove, uh, Armageddon, Planet of the Apes series, I Am Legend. And they proposed different ways that the world might come to a halt because of different things, whether it's disease or whether it's war or whatever. And I was, I was troubled. And an interesting part of the puzzle during that time was that I was a believer, and I shouldn't have been so troubled, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. And thank God a couple years later, uh, the Lord got a hold of me and says, you need to be serious about following me. And I gave my life to follow Christ more seriously. And it didn't change the fact that there's this constant threat of a nuclear holocaust but it changed my outlook because, you know, I found my hope in Jesus Christ and he holds the future. And you know what? The future presses on all of us, whether it's our personal life or things on a global scale, it is pressing on us all the time, whether we think about it or not. And in the past few weeks, we've looked at a number of uh, thoughts concerning the future. Uh, week one of our series, and I'm just going to go through these real briefly. Week one of our series, which was a snow day for us, and if you happen to watch the, the message that Pastor Bob did on that week, he was talking about what in the world is happening. And he addressed the, the fact that we have had an underlying conflict in this world from early history. When God began to work his plan of redemption, and he called the man Abraham to follow him. And through Abraham, he was going to bring a son and a family and a nation and a nation that would give us a Messiah and a nation that God would use and bless in spite of who they were. 
and in spite of who Abraham was, God was working through them. And God even was working through the fact that Abraham tried to accelerate God's plan and had a son with his wife's handmaid and disobeyed him. But there's an underlying conflict between nations, uh, the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Israel. And he talked about that and how it works out into the future and that we're awaiting the return of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. The second week we talked about living ready. Pastor Tim shared here from Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 3, and talked about the fact that we need to be ready first and foremost by knowing Jesus is, and secondly, by obeying what he has told us to do, and went to the book of Revelation to look at that. Last week, Pastor Tim was sharing what is coming, and he gave a brief survey of uh, history and the prophetic history and the timeline he put up, and how God is working through time and bringing people to himself, bringing people to redemption, and that we need to live alert and ready for Jesus' return, that we need to be ready and live ready. So over the past three weeks, we've been reminded that we cannot predict the end of time, but we can certainly be ready for when Jesus returns. We can be ready and waiting and looking for him. And today I want to share more specifically, not only can we be ready, but we can help other people to be ready when Jesus comes back. Be ready for him. You know, it's important for us, and we're going to look in the book of 1 Peter today. If you want to put your finger there in your Bible, if you have one, we'll have the, the verses on the screen, 1 Peter chapter 3. But it's important for us, before we consider how to share our faith, first to consider what kind of life are we living and what truth are we expressing in the way we live as we share our faith. Have you ever met someone that's trying to convince you of something and what they're trying to convince you of wasn't quite in line with how they were living? Could you imagine a person trying to explain the benefits of a healthy lifestyle as they are chomping down on junk food and having that discussion with you? Can you imagine a person trying to tell you how to live a frugal life and have a budget as they're making their video from the deck of their yacht in the Mediterranean? Doesn't match up. Can you imagine a guy talking to you about how you need to not drink while he's talking to you at the bar? <laughs> and then you think about this. Someone wants to tell you about the benefits of relationships when in fact they have a long history of broken relationships. And that's not to say that God can't use people that have problems to help people avoid problems. But sometimes we have to be mindful of the fact that if we're sharing truth, we need to be living consistently with the truth that we're sharing and who we're sharing about more specifically Jesus Christ. Now, when you get into 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is writing to a group of people that are living the Christian life Jesus is using them to build his church in a place in the world called Asia Minor. That's where modern-day Turkey is. And these people are just getting a rough go of it because those that are believing in Jesus Christ are becoming outcasts. They're becoming um, on the margins of life in that, in that area, and Christians were experiencing tremendous suffering. And I want us to consider today that uh, as Peter is giving them advice, he's showing them how to have a rich and fulfilling life even in the midst of some difficulties. So I want to read the first couple verses in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8, and then we're going to share some, some thoughts about these as we go along. Starting in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, 
love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So some of the first things that we can take away as to how to live this Christian life in a challenging world and an unreceptive world is this. As a person who follows God, with other people who follow God, we need to be of the same mind. We need to allow God's thinking to permeate our thinking and guide our thoughts and relationships. Secondly, we need to prioritize love. He tells us to love one another. In fact, that's something we've been looking at in Bridgewater Kids. We've been looking at the underlying truth and responsibility that we have that Jesus said, you know what? The biggest thing we all need to be concerned with in this life is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as ourselves. And that's, a, that's an important thing that God reiterates time and time again, that we need to be following his lead and loving like he loves. And then God tells us to be tender and humble and not to re retaliate and be vindictive. Now, isn't that a, a difficult one? You know, when someone does something, I don't know if you're not like me or like me, but I begin to calculate, okay, I can take this up a notch for you. But that's not the way that the Lord wants us to operate. That's just simply working in our sinful human nature that's self-protective and self-promoting. But what, what God tells us to do is this. He says, when someone hurts you, bless them. Say good things about them. Go above and beyond to give them something they don't deserve, keeping in mind that you have received the grace of God, never deserving it, and you need to be willing to share the grace of God just like he shared it with you, with others. So Peter gives us some encouraging words here. You know what? We need to live above ourselves, and we need to live empowered by Christ and the Holy Spirit, to be a blessing to others. And then you actually go on to see in this passage in the next few verses, he says more about how to live in this world. He says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, that's not a bad thing, is it? And see many things, many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. For the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So we have some more encouraging words and sometimes challenging words from the Apostle Peter as to how we should live this life, and especially live this life in the face of people who present challenging relationships. The first thing he talks about is our words. You know, the Bible talks a lot about our tongue, doesn't it? And that the tongue has the power to bless or to kill or to hurt. The tongue has the power to lie or to tell the truth. And we should fall on the side of telling the truth, being honest and building people up, being a blessing to people with the words that we use. He also tells us to pursue peace. This is something Jesus said quite succinctly when he said this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. We are very much like God when we pursue peace with other people because he is desiring to pursue peace with us through the cross. 
And we need to be joining God in what he's doing in this world, in the lives of the people around us, regardless how people respond to us, how they label us, how they judge our motives or misjudge our motives. We need to be working with God. And we need to be doing him and doing, going along with him and joining in those good works that he's doing, that people might see those good works and not glorify us, but glorify our Father in heaven as we let our light shine for him. Something we need to take note of, though, as we let our light shine in this world, as we serve God, as we join in the good things he's doing, the Bible tells us clearly that light exposes people, doesn't it? And the world does not enjoy, although it needs to have light, people need to have light shined upon them to know Jesus. It's not an enjoyable thing. And Jesus says, it's going to be challenging when the light shines on people because they're going to hate me, hate you like they hate me. But something we need to keep in mind that in this world, as we go along with the Lord, as we desire people to, know, to come to know Jesus and have a relationship with him, that it's going to be challenging because there's this underlying current of a spiritual battle, isn't it? The host of evil, the leader of the host, Satan, is waging a war against what God is doing. And you know what? We're reminded that it's not an easy trip. But Jesus says, do not... Do not be fearful, for I have overcome the world. And we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against spiritual powers and wickedness in high places. So Jesus reminds us of this, and Peter reminds us of his words. How we live in a hostile world with all its challenges really matters. And we need to live life. And if you have one of these sheets, by the way, I forgot to mention this. There's a lot of moving parts today. If you grabbed one of these sheets on the way or want to get one, there's uh, some of those fill in the blanks. And on the back, we're going to go through a gospel presentation this morning, the bridge illustration. But it's important for us to live a holy and a humble life, a life set apart to God and a life lived in humility for all God has done for us. And then when things happen in our life, people are watching. It's interesting how many people watch us, whether we realize it or not. And if they know we're a believer and if we know if they know that we're saying and claiming to be a certain thing, they're watching for a response. And, and Peter says this, when, you know, when we get hurt, our response communicates a whole lot about what we really believe. You can move that ahead there. It communicates that if we are, are hurt, that we uh, either are going to be satisfied in Christ or we're going to sour, and people will notice that. And if we're going to be uh, talking about the, the peace and the assurance that we have in God, we need not have fear. So our response determines the result. And it's going to either open up relational doors or it's going to close them. Now, you'd think that uh, according to what I, some of what I said, that we have to live perfectly. No, we don't. In fact, I want to share a story about not living perfectly. When I uh, graduated from college, I came back home and went back to work with my family business doing masonry and concrete work because uh, I could make more doing that than what I could with my undergraduate major at the time. And I had to keep moving along. But one of my coworkers, who happens to be my brother's brother-in-law, was all right to deal with him when I was in college because I, I left at the end of the summer and I went away. But working with him every day, this guy used to push my buttons. And he pushed him a lot. And one day he was really pushing the buttons. And I was down in a, in a hole and I would climbed up a ladder. I said, that's it. I'm going to take you down here and bury you. And I started climbing up out and he says to me, and I'll never forget this. He says, 
man, some kind of Christian you are, because at that point I was making some pretty bold claims that I was following Jesus. But I wanted to send him to meet Jesus. <laughs> but that stopped me in my tracks, and I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. This is not, this would not glorify God at all. And you know, our relationship changed after that day. Because um, first of all, I owned up to my stupidity. And second, he also knew there was a boundary. <laughs> that was helpful. But and, and down the road, he would say, remember, remember that day you wanted to kill me? And I said, which one? That's every day. And he was talking about that day. But thank God in our relationship, although I lost it at the time, by God's grace, I was able to, to get things right. And we move forward, and uh, to, even to this day, we work together from time to time, and we still have a good relationship. But the important thing for all of us is this. If we're going to go and share Jesus with people, we need to be on that trajectory of allowing Jesus to transform us along the way. And just be an honest person who owns up, and it says even in this passage that we're going to read in a little bit, that we need to keep a clear conscience. We need to work on our relationships with people. And that's what this second, uh, this last bit of scripture we're going to read this morning, verses 13 through 17, talks about. Peter talks about some very specific ways and attitudes that we should have when it comes to sharing our faith. And as we read on, we read this. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord in your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if, if, if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Now, Peter gives us a lot of advice here as to how to share our faith. And the first thing he mentions is that we are to give an explanation of it. We are sharing with people from a platform of humility. We are sharing people with people from a platform of gratitude and worship for all Jesus has done for us. But our faith is a reasonable thing. What we put our hope in, and more specifically, who we put our hope in, Jesus Christ, is very clearly documented, isn't it? We have the word of God, which is truth. We have the history of people that Jesus has transformed. Generation after generation, people have come to know Jesus, and we see a life change because they place their faith in it. And the faith that we have, if we trust in Christ, isn't I hope so, but it's an I know so. It's a reasonable faith. And we can give a clear explanation for what that is, our faith. And then if you move on, Peter talks about the attitude that we have when we share Christ with others. It's called gentleness. I was reminded of that uh, great hymn that was written a long time ago, Amazing Grace. I was singing it to myself. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, but now I was blind, but now I see. You know, we have a core value here at Bridgewater is that found people find people. 
And when you and I share Christ with someone as a believer, I'm just a former lost person telling you about how I got found. Thank God. I'm a former person who could not see clearly that had my eyes open when Jesus helped me to see who he was and who I was and how much I needed him. And that ought to breed a little humility and gentleness in us, hadn't it? You know, when we go to somebody who is trying to understand life apart from God, they have this thing what's called a worldview. They have a grid of things that they're trying to make sense of life in this world. They're trying to answer the questions of life apart from God. They're trying to ease their pain and ease their fears, or maybe just trying to ignore things, but they have a worldview. And one of the challenging things that comes to us as a person who comes to others and shares our faith in Christ is this. We have to come alongside them and graciously and gently help them deconstruct their worldview, which is based on lies, and help them understand the truth of who God is and who Jesus is and who they can be in Christ. And there's a confrontation that goes on there. But nonetheless, we need to be gracious in our approach. And we, we need to share the truth, but we, our truth needs to be also coupled with love and balanced with love. And we need to be guided by God, the Holy Spirit, as we tell others about coming to Christ. You know, it's a vulnerable thing to, to let go of the reins of control we think we have. And we need to be gracious as we help people to do that. And then more specifically, as God helps them to do that. And then the next word is respect. Respect. C.S. Lewis said this, you've never looked at a mere mortal. When we look at everyone around us, we're looking at somebody that is created in the image of God, someone who Jesus Christ has died for and loves dearly and wants them to come to a relationship with or grow in a relationship with him in. And you know what? We need to allow people and understand this, respect that they are going to make their decisions based on their conclusions. And we can't force the issue. And plus, we need to respect the fact that people have had experiences and some of them aren't so good and some are good. And we need to be patient and understand, man, we all have a lot of hurts and hangups. So we can't be pushy, but we need to be respectful and ask if we can share. And as we have that opportunity to share the reason for the hope that is in us with gentleness and respect. And not be reactive to their responses or shocked by what they share, but be prayerful and diligent to come alongside of them. You know, the truth is, is that the gospel in and of itself is the power of God unto salvation. As it says in the book of Romans, the gospel, people can read a gospel track and come to know Jesus Christ just by the power of the gospel. But God has so chosen in this age, in the church age, not only to take his gospel, but to couple it with people who have been transformed and are continuing to be transformed by the gospel. And he sends us out with the message, doesn't he? And he wants to hand deliver the message in the context of a person who loves another person and cares enough about them to share about who Jesus is and how much he loves them. So let's talk about some practical suggestions for how we can share our faith, how we can know that other people can be ready for when Jesus returns because they know him, because they know him. First, I think, you know, we need to prioritize relationships over being right. I have made a mistake in this level. 
I remember early on after I started walking with the Lord again, I had a few discussions with people that turned into debates. And sometimes a debate doesn't always end well, does it? I was going to go for broke and I was going to prove I was right. And it wasn't good. And it's not that we have to not share the truth, but we have to temper the way we do it. We need to prioritize people. We need to understand that more, what they need more than anything is someone to experience the love of Christ in, a, in the context of a relationship. We need to uh, just serve people and be concerned about their life. And as God opens up opportunities, then we can share truth in the context of the relationship. And I know sometimes God preside, pre presents spontaneous opportunities, but a lot of times life transformation and people coming to know Jesus as the forgiver and leader of their life comes from walking alongside someone that loves them and will go the distance with them. We need to share our story. You know, the good thing about sharing our story is no one can refute it. It's our story. So as we walk along others, side of others who need to know Jesus Christ, you know, we need to share our story as to how God helped us know who we were, who he is, and why we needed to trust Jesus Christ. How God has worked changes in our life. How God has brought peace where there wasn't peace. How God has helped us to understand that we put our confidence in some things to bring hope and, you know, fulfillment, and we found them to be bankrupt apart from Jesus Christ. We need to be honest about all that stuff. And it's important we also need to be honest and sharing about what God's doing. Here's an interesting thought, and I've, I've had a few, few people over the years look at me in a very bizarre way, but amongst Christians, amongst people who know Jesus Christ, we talk very openly about, well, God got this through to me. I was reading his word, and God's speaking to me, and, you know, we're going this direction. And we, because the reality is, you and I are here, and Jesus is here, and he's working in our lives, and he's, he's right beside us. But when we talk to people that it's a foreign concept to, they look at you like you're talking to an alien or something. But we need to be very readily saying, God's doing this in my life. And you know, let him process it. <laughs> it should be our goal in our relationships. And I think I mentioned this the last time. No matter if we're alongside somebody who is a Jesus follower or somebody who doesn't know Jesus, it should be our goal every day to help that person take one step closer to Jesus, whether it's to know him more intimately as a child of his or whether to move toward the place where they want to cross and receive life from him. It should be our goal. Share life, share relationships, share our story. And then memorize a simple gospel explanation and then pray, invest, invite, and partnering with Bridgewater. We're going to talk about these a little more, but I want to move to the the next slide here, Christian, we're going to look at a gospel presentation here. And there's a very simple one that's on the back of the, the card you have here today. This is often called the, the bridge illustration. And it's widely used. It's widely publicized in different forms. But it's, it's a great tool for us to help people understand the reasonableness of our faith and the journey of our faith. And we can help them walk through as we share our story and share from the Word of God. And this is based on the, a passage from Romans chapter 6, verse 23. 
which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You start out here on this first, uh, this first picture, and we see a person next to God. And this was God's intention from the very beginning, for us to dwell and fellowship with him unhindered in a perfect setting, in perfect relationships, in perfect connection. Genesis chapter 1-2, right? Genesis chapter 3, you move on to it, and God said, you know what? You'll have this kind of relationship with me as long as you do not do one thing. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from that tree... The day you take part of it, you'll surely die. That was a promise from God. And unfortunately, as we move ahead here, mankind fell. We're told in the book of Romans, through one man's sin and sin entered into the world, and all have sinned. When our original parents sinned, and we sinned because we are like them, separation happened. If you can move through these uh, three words here, wages, sin, and death. We understand what a wage is, don't we? We deal with it every day. We do something in exchange for something else. Typically, it's money, right? So if you and I go to work or we provide a service, we expect to be compensated in a good way for what we did. Sin has wages. In fact, uh, they're not a, not a good thing. They're a bad thing because God said, when you sin, you will surely die. So the fact that we experience death in this world is a result or a payment of the wages of sin. That death is expressed in a number of ways. First and foremost, you know, the reality of Physical degeneration and physical death came into the human existence after the original sin, and that has been the experience for everybody since. And then we experienced a spiritual death, which is a separation from God. The fact that we were created to fellowship with God in an unhindered way became broken. And then finally, you know, God says this in his word, that if we do not experience a spiritual reuniting with him, have that spiritual death taken away, we'll ultimately be separated from him forever. And that's what that gulf in between us and God, God indicates. There's death there, if you can move that ahead, Christian. But this verse tells us some good news, because that's the bad news, of course. But the good news is this, is that God has provided a gift He's provided himself through the son, his son, Jesus Christ. God, the son, came to this earth. And we sang about that in that last song this morning, about how Jesus came to this earth from glory. And the gift that he gives us is life. When Jesus came to this earth, he lived the perfect life. And as God, he sacrificed his life for us on the cross, dying the death that we should die, paying the penalty for the sin that we should pay for, but then when he arose from the grave, he conquered all of those things and he rose in victory and life, eternal life. And he offers us that life as a gift. And if you can move to the next screen, Christian. There's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for us. And like any gift that we would have, right? We can't earn it. We simply just need to receive it. 
You guys ever get gifts that uh, you really like? It's month past Christmas. I bet some people got some gifts over the Christmas season that made their way back to their origin. Got sent back to Amazon or whatever, right? This is a gift that's awesome. God says, you know what? I want to give you life. I want to give you connection with me. I want to forgive you. I want to make you my child. I want to see that you live with me forever. But the thing is, is like any gift, we need to receive it. We need to receive it and graciously take it. And when we do, this is what happens. <laughs> we go to the other side. We go to God's side. We are reconnected with him. And I trust I'm talking to many people today that has been your experience. That at some point in your life, God helped you understand your need of him and who you were on your own and who you could be if you received Jesus Christ, his son, and the gift he gives. But like any gift, we need to simply receive it and ask for it. The book of Romans tells us this, if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So it goes on to say later in that chapter, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the question we can pose to anyone, including ourselves, is where would we put ourselves in this diagram? Are we apart from God, not receiving his gift, or have we received it and entered into the life that he gives us and makes us a child of God, forgiven and cleansed in Jesus Christ? I would encourage you to take this gospel presentation or maybe another one that makes sense to you Practice it with somebody and be ready to share it. Because God, you know, the funny thing is, I remember one time in my life, I was praying for God. Someone told me this. They say, if you pray for God to give you opportunities, he's more than glad to give them to you. And I started praying for somebody to, to share the gospel with. I happened to be a pastor at the time. And this guy walked into our church, no lie, just one morning, he says, could you explain Christianity to me? I'm like, wow. God's more than glad to open the door. And he's more than glad to help us guide people along to know him. So to help us in that process, I'd encourage you to take, a, take that gospel presentation or another and commit it to heart. Work with one another to help you know, hone your skills to share it. Also, we have a couple things to help us along the way at Bridgewater. We would encourage you to take one of these Pray, Invest, Invite cards and jot a couple people's names down who we understand maybe don't know God, and we'd like to see them come into that relationship with him. We gave out magnets a few years ago, and I just sat the other day looking at the magnet on the fridge and prayed for those folks, because to this point, I don't think they've come to that place. Keep praying for people. Invest in their lives. And also, Pastor Tim, as Jeff mentioned, uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned, is going to be starting a series on the 11th, about relationships, and we all certainly can uh, grow in our relationships with one another. And uh, I'd encourage you to take those cards and invite people out to uh, take part in that series. Pray, invest, invite, and be ready to share the hope with gentleness and respect for those who need to know Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the salvation that we can uh, delight in. Lord, we thank you that you have helped us to make that trip from death to life if we know you. And Lord, I do pray that you would use us in your process of uh, 
reaching other people. We know your gospel is powerful, that you can reach people without our help. But God, we pray that you'd help us to take your word and take the truth of what you've done and share it with those around us. Help us not to waste opportunities, but to build them and to be building with you where you are building. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. Thank you that we are looking for your return. Help us to be ready and help us to be mindful that there are many people that need to be ready. So help us to be working to that end as your people for your glory. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's kind of funny that uh, that verse was up on the, on the board this morning for us all to look at. The men's group he was talking